previously on Worlds Away. I really did mean the thanks that I gave you up there, though I received some disturbing reports from a member of Ruby Watson's office staff. Between that and the incident involving Lieutenant Hines, I think it's best if we bid our farewells. I understand that you're shaken and that you're probably not used to wearing a uniform and being shot at at war. I understand. I hit him. I punch him in the face. I punch him in the face. I punch him in the face when he says that. It is like a cylindrical device that I think that you recognize as just from the outside appearance as a kind of sensor. And the other thing is that you kind of flip it over. And on the bottom of it, you see characters that say it appears to say P172. More letters and numbers. My name is Lillian Gale, Aventine Consul to Ascension, and this is my Vice Consul, Ramon Herrera. I don't think we have to be worried about who's going to start the war. I think we have to be worried about how we keep people safe. You used to agree with me on that, Mateo. It's Ramon now. I can see that. After the the war, though, Ruby developed a curiosity for Aventine philosophy. She even attended a talk by Reeve Kasarek, one of the leaders of the Aventine Revolution. I didn't make the connection at the time, but a little over a year ago, pamphlets, and I mean actual paper pamphlets, started showing up all over the city. I'm going to ask you this question one fucking time, and you're going to give me a straight answer. Did you know? Did I know what? When you sent me on this mission, did you know he would be here? Seven Deadly Sin are you going to do this time, Mo? I don't know. I think we're going to figure it out. Sluttony. It's lust and gluttony. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't prepared for that. But you weren't prepared for sluttony? No. <laughs> Nobody's ever prepared sure? for sluttony. <laughs> is that like when you use food and sex? <laughs> yeah, you better Ooh. believe it is. There are actually no rules to sluttony. All right. Welcome to Worlds Away, an actual play storytelling <laughs> podcast. I am, in fact, your game master, John Ossip. And with me today, we got Haley Daria. Hello. Lauren Woolbanks. Crunchwrap Supreme. Michael Morales. Hi. 
and Moshitara. I don't even know what to say at this point. <laughs> You're not going to oh, say. Oh, man. Happy, happy envy. Happy envy, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. So we are picking back up with another downtime episode, which is after the end of the last mission following you leaving Satis. Uh, But before we jump into things, I want to start off with XP and leveling up, which Impulse Drive calls the cliffhanger move. So we're going to be a little more abbreviated about this since we already went over this move back in episode five. Uh, But I want to start off with hooks. So just going around the table, each person can read off their three hooks and then we'll say as a group whether we think one of them impacted events or the character in the last arc. And if the answer to that is yes, you can go ahead and mark XP. And then after that, you can also tell me if you want to keep all your hooks or swap any of them out. Uh, So maybe let's start with Mike. So my three hooks are uh, I have faith in Admiral Mendoza. I know that she will always put her team and the mission first. Uh, Nasir's sense of duty makes him a pawn. I'll show him that his handlers are failing him. And I don't respect people who haven't proven themselves. I don't think that I activated the first two hooks. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that part of that is because of the fifth sandwich that I ate uh, in the interrogation in that private conference room when I was trying to respond to Nasir's comment over there. So I don't think I got to like get anything in there, but I wonder about, I don't respect people who haven't proven themselves. Hmm. I I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think like there might be like a a thing over here where like I've lost respect for Nasir, but I don't think it's because like he didn't like prove himself leading into that so much as it is like, I think I've lost respect as a result of that interaction. Um, You also did like, it was like you've impressed or dismayed or or I forgot what the rest of the options were. And you did say that you were like impressed by the punch, you know, at the time. Yeah. So I don't know how that like fits in with that. Yeah. I I think the the punch may have been impressive. His like reaction afterwards, less so. I see. And I mean, unless we want to say like all of the, the NPCs that I definitely disrespected up and down sat like, uh, sat as like, we can go ahead and say that I didn't respect them. But I, you I didn't. I, but you certainly did. <laughs> I certainly did not. Um, but I'm not sure that that really like counts here. Yeah, I don't know if that's about proving themselves. Yeah, so. I'm going to say that I didn't uh, activate any of my hooks here. Okay, that's that's totally fine. So okay, so no XP this time. But I'm confident we're going to hit some hooks. There, there, there are plenty of other people to to disrespect for not proving themselves out there. Absolutely. So we'll get them next time. And any of those you want to swap out? Uh no. I think I'm going to keep them where they're at. All right, cool. All right, uh, Lauren, you want to go next? Yeah, of course. Um, hook one, solving the big problems is the most important thing I can do. I won't let relationships with others stand in the way. Hook two, I've grown accustomed to order and structure. I get stressed when things go off script. Three, I respect hard work and can't contain my disdain for slackers. Uh, so I, I explicitly called out hook one, solving the big problems. Yeah. Uh, I didn't take a negative for that at the time, but also we took some a lot of hard L's this uh, this yeah. this round. So I don't I, I fall upon the mercy of the space master. I think one of the things about the hooks and, and the way I think about it is I think it still impacts events if you like do the thing that the hook says. Right. Mm-hmm. The way I see it is the the disadvantages. It's like oh, you have to go and overcome the hook in some way to act, and then you have to roll with disadvantage in that case. But if you're like, oh, I went and I pursued the problem and didn't have the rest of the team there, which is what happened, you kind of already took the negative from that. So I I think that can still count. Yeah, I agree. I think the the idea there is that even I, as like the the player, made the assessment that 
she might be heading into danger. And that that was yeah. kind of the the negative that I interpreted. But so I will yeah. mark XP. Cool. And then any of those you wanted to swap out? Not right now. I got one cooking. We'll see how this episode shakes up. Okay. Okay. Excited. Yeah. All right. Haley, you want to go next? Yeah. So my hooks, uh, hook number one, people outside of the Sato Institute can never understand what we do. I avoid questions about indexing and the Institute however I can. Hook two, nobody can tell me what I'm capable of. If challenged, I'll do whatever is necessary to turn the tables on them. And then hook three, people are happier thinking their accomplishments are their own. I often try to help without their knowledge. I am sort of mixed on this. I think, I don't think any of these specifically really applied, but I'm open to if anyone disagrees. Hearing some crickets, so I think maybe no XP this time. Mm. Yeah. But any of those you wanted to swap out? Yes. So I think the last one, um, people are happier thinking their accomplishments are their own. I often try to help without their knowledge. It's not that I think that it's been resolved or anything. I think that's still generally the case. But I just think I have one that's going to better apply to the game. Okay. What are we thinking for that? So uh, I discussed this with uh, Mike previously, but he hasn't heard this version of the wording. So Okay. (laughs) So Mm. uh, the way I'm phrasing it is um, Arno treats everyone we meet as an enemy. I'll help him see the bigger picture. Oh, I really like that. I like that a whole ton. Ooh, I like that a lot. All right. So that sounds great. And Mo, you want to take it on? Yeah. uh, My hooks are my past choices have cost me dearly. I try to push major decisions onto others. I definitely did that one. Uh, many underestimate the horrors of war. I can't help but lash out when I hear it. I definitely did that one. <laughs> uh, and I have a secret that could ruin me if exposed. I'll do anything in my power to prevent that. I didn't really do this one, but that's okay because I did the other two a lot. All right. Yep. Go ahead and mark XP then. And any of those you want to swap out at this point? Nope. They're all still pretty on point. All right. So now we're going to run through the group questions. So first is, did we complete a mission or contract? I would argue eh? no. It, it was completed. It's success? I, I guess that's the question is how do we interpret that? Do we interpret that as like, do we succeed at the mission or, or is it just like, because if it's not, did we succeed, then you'd get it like every time. You know what I mean? It depends on which mission we're talking about, because what Eastling wanted us to do, we sort of did. So yeah. like if we think of Eastling as the client, then we we gave him what yeah. we, he wanted mostly. We also, to jump off of that, we also found out more information and completed Shaw's mission or at, like, you know, to the extent that we could have realistically. Um, but mm. we, we did fail. Like we explicitly failed. Yeah. So I am open to taking that L, but with some peripheral successes. I'm fine either way. What, what about Mike and or Mo? Any votes on that? I mean, I like to view it as, like, did we succeed at the mission? Since this is a player mechanic, not yeah. an in-game mechanic, I like to look at it as, like, did we as players succeed at mm. the mission, yes or no? And I think the answer to that is no. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's the... My vote is that, no, we did not succeed at the mission. Yeah, I, I wasn't originally going to, like, hash out, did we succeed at Shaw's mission versus, like, the mission on this one? And, John, mm-hmm. I guess, like, for you, like... Was our mission what the Minerva Project sent us there for, or was our mission like what we got called in there for publicly? The way I see it is it's like, okay, 
we, we've divided the game up into these arcs that are these missions that are what you were called in there publicly. Mm. And the Minerva Project mission is kind of a longer term thing, right? Because mm. it's like, yeah, on this planet, you did find out something, mm. but it's kind of like every time you might be able to find out something. So it sure. doesn't really have a succeed or fail condition associated with it. Yeah. So if you are thinking of it that way, I, I guess it's more the public one, if that makes sense. But yeah, then I, then I think we, we took a fat L there. Uh, that conspiracy would have executed itself with or without us there. I think we like added a little bit of flavor with like the going to that house, I guess. But like Ruby was arrested yep. and would have been arrested for the same thing, whether we were there or not, and probably would have been found guilty whether we were there or not is my view of this. And I think we took the L. Yeah, that's a good interpretation. Okay. Uh, I say we took the L too. Um, all right. So maybe no XP for that one. Um, and then next question is, do we learn something new and important about the universe? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. All right. What what do we think? What did we, what did we learn? Everything that Mara got from the house. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that's also the gift that's going to keep on giving to my interpretation. Hopefully, cross my fingers. So I I highly vote for yes. We learned something big. Okay, awesome. All right, go ahead and mark everyone. Mark XP for that one. That's my first XP. Hey, yo. The next one is: Did we make a new enemy or thwart an existing enemy? God damn! Did we oh, make really? a new enemy? <laughs> Yep. Who, who's the nominee for that? Nasir. Can we nominate multiple people? <laughs> uh, Ruby. Yeah. Uh, Eastling. Uh, Randall what's the third Lawrence. Guy's name? <laughs> Randall Lawrence. Everybody. We pissed <laughs> yeah. off the whole planet. <laughs> the guy you shot. Uh, Julie. Julie in Oscar's <laughs> office. Oh, Julie. Oscar I'm Oscar's actually <laughs> afraid of her. I think that she yeah, will yeah, kick our be. ass. I think she can one v one, one v four us. Julie is, in fact, the big bad. Somehow, in a two sides political fight, we managed to piss off both sides. We did it, everyone. Good job. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So I think everyone go ahead and mark XP for that. That sounds good. (laughs) I just want to say I don't think Randall Lawrence is more of our enemy, uh, but I definitely think Eastling is. I think this is, I mean, like in the last episode, it ended. I was like, "Mm, I grew much more suspicious of him than Randall Lawrence. We also gave. Randall Lawrence, pretty much all the information we got. So hopefully he doesn't turn around and screw us, but just wanted to put that on the table. Yeah, but we also personally antagonized Randall Lawrence. So, we oh, yeah, more, like, he does not like us as human beings, but you got to see the <laughs> yeah. bigger picture if you're going to run yeah. this, baby. <laughs> Enemy is a strong term. So, you know, yeah. maybe Lawrence right on that. Frenemy. Yeah, but... Sexual tension. All right. The last question is Was there a big moment that hinged on a crucial role? So many. So many. <laughs> and we failed all of them. No, 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 no. Everyone shut the fuck up because Mara Belova <laughs> went down there, strapped on her fucking future armband gear doohickey, and wizarded this shit out of a wall. And I, I nominate that moment because I did also roll a 12 yeah. after rolling a two. Um, so it's the That's magnitude true. of that is also I'd like to call out as phenomenal. I think there are like a lot of nominees on both sides of the spectrum because it was like <laughs> then we went around in that the following episode and, and took the L uh, on a roll. So Repeatedly. I, I think that either way, you're correct that there were some crucial moments. So, yeah, go ahead and everyone mark XP. Oh, I almost leveled up again. Woo. Excellent. So, OK, so then so that's it for that. The last part of the cliffhanger move is to burn fuses, which is um, what some other PBTA games call clocks. So the two big ones are public perception, which is kind of how the the press and the public are reacting and reporting on the Minerva project. And then also the ship's maintenance views. 
So normally at the end of each mission, we add one mark to each of those. But based on the ending of the last arc, I'm going to suggest that we mark two ticks on public perception. So Haley, do you want to go ahead and add uh, segments to each of those on the ship page? Yep. Awesome. All right. So now that we are done with XP, I want to pick things back up on the Valiant. Uh, It's after you've left status and have made the jump to faster than light travel. But before I set that scene, Orno, I want to ask you, can you describe to me what the box of Candelay currently looks like? (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, can you describe to me, I'm going to answer your question with a question, what it was originally made out of? Am I working with like a Dunkin' Donuts box here or was this a little nicer? It was a little bit nicer. It's still, I think it's still like a cardboard material, but it's a little bit thicker and the surface was like textured, right? Mm -hmm. Like it had kind of, I don't know what you call that, but when it's like pressed to have a pattern on Mm -hmm. it that you can feel. Embossed. Embossed. Embossed, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was like embossed and then had a bow on the top and in this gold cursive writing, the word Fobor on the top of the box. Yeah. So it looks uh, more like an accordion, uh, like it had been just like pushed down a little bit. Uh, There are a couple of creases from where it was like under my arm in the middle on the hinge over there. And uh, there's a mysterious stain. I'm not sure where it came from. There were plenty of opportunities. It's not blood. It's just a mysterious stain. It still says Fobor on it, I guess. Yeah. And how many candlelight are left in the box like after the, the interaction with Ruby? Oh, no. Please don't ask me that question. Somebody in the... In, Mo- one of our Mo listeners says, has definitely been paying more attention. I'm, Mo is signaling no more than three. No more than three. Okay. okay. I'm going to say three. I think there's some like crumbs in the box, too. Yeah. Right? Oh, like yeah. indications. <laughs> oh, if there are three cannelly in the box, at most one cannelly still looks like the shape it was yeah, supposed yeah. to be in. Yeah, they're they're okay. a little mushed. Yeah. So I think the camera kind of begins on the box of cannelly, which is sitting on a shelf. But then the the focus kind of shifts further out, and we see that the shelf is in the wardroom on the Valiant, and the four of you are sitting at the table there. And sitting in the middle of you all is the roughly cylindrical beacon that Mara found in the mine on Satis. So I, w- I want to turn it over to you all and give you time to debrief from the mission as a group. But I also want to know how the four of you are looking sitting at this table. Mara is definitely obviously the individual who placed the beacon at the center. And I believe she's just sitting there upright with her hands kind of folded over each other on the table, staring at the beacon. Hmm. Can I ask, um, I know Nasir punched Arno. Does Arno have some sort of visible injury because of that? I don't know. Uh, I took harm, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say I'm at least bruised, yeah? I got a shiner. Yeah, so maybe, maybe a little bruised, yeah. I think I'm sitting just with my hand buried, my face buried in my hands, like at the very edge of what I assume is like a couch type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like leaned over, like face almost in my, like between my knees, just looking distraught. Arno's posture in his chair hasn't changed in the slightest. And if you looked at the rest of his face, you might think that Arno is just kind of the same as always, but there's a little less energy behind his eyes at this point. Hmm. I think similarly, Leela's kind of doing her classic lean back in chair, but instead of like her usual kind of ease, she's definitely more tense and just kind of, I think her mouth is just kind of like a, a straight line. That that could have gone a little bit better. Mm. Yeah. 
So tell me again, Mara, we're 100% sure this thing isn't bugged. Well, 100% is an incredibly high bar. I'm not sure if anyone <laughs> could truly make that assumption. To the best of my ability, I did process any wavelengths coming out of this machine, and I don't believe 100%. Let me rephrase. We're pretty damn sure this thing isn't bugged. Oh, yes, absolutely. I don't think that the beacon is the largest source of our problems right now. I mean, I think Shaw's going to be pretty pissed we only brought back three cannelay. <laughs> I thought exactly. I think he's going to be pretty pissed that the person that he sent us to get the cannelay from was part of the spy ring that just got busted up. At this point, I'll look up. I don't think any of us reckoned with just how dangerous it was for information about our project to get out. I'm less worried about Shaw than I am about the fact that someone else is aware of the Lustra anomalies. That information could lead to war. I share your concern. However, Randall Lawrence is first and foremost concerned with keeping the peace. I don't believe he'll make any actions to move for war. But yes, that was a horrendous lapse of judgment. And she'll kind of narrow her eyes at uh, Arno. I am worried about it being in the hands of the Satis government. But I am also worried about who procured it initially. Because it was either an Aventine spy ring, or some other entity we are unaware of. And I am not sure which of those prospects is more terrifying. I don't think the Republic would send us there to do reconnaissance on information that they left behind. The idea that it was truly an Aventine spy ring is dubious, in my opinion. There is obviously more to the story. Who was at the center of the ring. It wasn't Ruby. If we truly think that Randall Lawrence is a danger, then perhaps we need to give him more of a reason to stay silent. Maybe we need to ask someone from President Lee's office to help handle things. And I think Leela's kind of at a bit of a loss. This is not her wheelhouse. So I think she's definitely, like, not sounding as confident as she usually does. Hmm. It's typically not wise to readily reveal your weaknesses to your handlers, but this isn't an avenue I'm exceptional at. I guess she'll look in this year. I believe we should notify the Minerva Project and the Republic that we are not the only people with this information. I am at this point actually going to turn to Arno. Does the fleet have this information? Who? I can't say for certain. Can't or won't? Is it classified? Oh! <laughs> fuck. Either? Both? Neither? I don't know. I should clarify, Lieutenant Hines. I'm not asking whether or not the president's administration notified the fleet. I 
can get that answer from someone else. I'm asking if you notified the fleet. No. I take that at face value. Yeah. All right, then. So we're agreed. We need to notify the Minerva Project immediately that we are not the only people who hold this information, and there are a number of reasons why that might be true. Yes. There's one more thread we need to tug on before we get back to Ascension, and I glance over at the box. This was waiting for us, and whether it's something or nothing, the person who gave it to us was implicated in the spiring. I don't think anyone that we've given these Canalay to has dropped that or experienced any symptoms, but I think the box is worth investigating too. Hmm. I mean, the man from Fobor was part of the spiring. Are you, are you saying this could be a way of passing messages? That's not what I was thinking. He may have had ill intent passing this along, whether or not anyone else on the receiving end knew about it. That's just worth looking into. Fair enough, but I ate at least six of those cannelay, and I'm still here. And Shaw also explicitly requested that we pick them up. You had six? I I didn't even... I, I didn't get one. Call it due diligence. If we report that the that they were involved in a aspiring, he'd probably want to make sure that what he's eating is safe. I put my hand on Mara's shoulder. I'm so sorry. It was a very stressful situation. I eat when I'm stressed. Describe them to me. Well, well, I, I think, okay, well, I don't, I don't want that. Leela's just going to abruptly stand up and go over to the shelf where the cannelay box is and open it up and just kind of sniff it. And uh, I assume it smells really good still. I think it's faded, but it still does smell good. Yeah. So I think we said there's three remaining. She's going to take one of the ones that's kind of mushed, not the one that still looks decent. And she's going to walk back over the table, uh, break it in half or like pull it in half and hand the other half to Mara and just say, fuck it. Thank you. They really were delicious. <laughs> I mean, like shake my head, sadly. Yeah. Leela's going to cheers her half of the cannelay to Mara's and then take a bite. Excellent. Mara's going to confusedly participate in what she is categorizing as youth culture and then also <laughs> take a bite. This is the first Excellent. time in the scene that Arno has sort of like snapped out of his days. Uh, yeah. It's just, this is bizarre. It's, I think this is our trauma response, right? This is our I trauma response. Think it's us communicating that we think Arno is being incredibly paranoid since we have eaten a bunch of these and it has been multiple days and we I are still I literally fine. said investigate the box and that because everyone was probably fine from the Connelly mm-hmm. that the box should be investigated. Yeah. So well, investigate the box. We love the box. Okay. Yeah. And and you guys got a bunch of Connelly. We didn't get a single one. Yeah, so that's, that's not fair. a crumb. <laughs> These are also not even... I also had a half dozen cannelade before this. Like, I didn't talk about. Like, I... Nasir has had a dozen cannelade in the last 48 hours. I guess... So, I think that that's the scene there. So, I want to know what happens next. And maybe before anything else, I guess the question is, like, does Arno investigate the box? Um, yes. Okay. And how are you... And I want to have you describe that. How are you doing that? I think... Arno is going to investigate the box physically, opening it, looking on the inside, looking along the sides, seeing if there are any, uh, seeing how it like gets assembled or, or um, 
disassembled. You know, sometimes with cardboard, it's just folded really nicely to to get that structure. Maybe that this disconnects and there's um, slips that slide inwards when you assemble a cardboard box that hold in place that you wouldn't see to the naked eye. When yeah. you unfold them, you'd see more surface or something to that effect. Looking to see if there's anything written in those surfaces, feeling around for any bumps, that sort of thing. What can be seen with the naked eye? I think Arno might take it a step further if he doesn't if he doesn't find anything here. But the next step would be like I would look under a black light. I would yeah, yeah. Uh, I see. try to see if there's like a signal, if there's something like uh, coming out of the box itself. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and roll scope it out. Okay. Oh no! Do I must die? No, it did not. Okay, we're good. Come on. Woo. Nine. All right. So with scope it out. Um, when you take time or use sensitive equipment to closely study an object, situation, or person, you roll plus calculating, and on a 7 to 9, you can ask one question from the list. So, I'm, I'm stuck between two, and it is, what should I be on the lookout for, or who or what here could be a useful opportunity? And I think I'm going to lean towards, what should I be on the lookout for? Okay. And the thing that you're trying to see is, like, is there anything about this box that might be more than just a box of candle is that correct that's right okay so i think we see you going and you know again like kind of opening the box just like studying it and shining a light on it just really inspecting every part of it but i I think the thing that strikes you is and i think if this was the tv cut we might we might like hear your voice like superimposed over this and it's like oh he got like a gift box i didn't think he was the type And you're like looking at the box Mm. itself and just realizing this box is itself a message. Mm. Or could be. Spooky. I think I take pictures with my slate. Like of the box? Yeah, of the box. Okay. Um, Interesting. And I'll put it back together as best as I can. It's a little worse for wear. Gotcha. So what what are folks doing after this happens? Arno is sort of in a daze and kind of needs to do something to keep him busy that he doesn't have to think too hard about. And I think it's late and he makes his way over to the galley and instinctively looks for some messy dishes and just starts cleaning. What about Mara? I don't think Mara's up to anything in particular. Um, I think she's trying to kind of go over the events and and make notes in her mind uh, and and actual sorry, actually make physical notes. I apologize of all of the things that transpired, all the persons of interest trying to sew things together. Um, but she's not quite seeing the thread yet. And uh, just in her cabin doing that. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Ma'am. And uh, what about you, Nasir? I am in my room. Uh just trimming a plant that I have at my desk and sort of doing upkeep on that. Gotcha. And uh, Haley, what about Leela? So I think seeing Arno kind of leave, Leela is going to follow. So I think she's going to try to track down wherever Arno is in the ship. Okay. And so Arno, you're in the, in the galley. Is that right? Yeah. All the lights were off. There's no service going on. Maybe the lights on the vent hood are on at night, but he hasn't turned them all on. He's very much got his sleeves rolled up, still hasn't changed out of the t-shirt or uniform, and he's going about cleaning up old dishes absentmindedly. So I think we kind of see the shot is 
on your face and i think the door kind of opens behind you um and we kind of see the light from the hallway if the room is dark but do you do you like turn around or you just keep doing the dishes i just keep doing them and do you say anything or are you just kind of silent when somebody walks in i'm got a thousand yard stare not really even paying attention to the dishes that i'm cleaning i don't know that i even really see them but as the water's sloshing and he's making the movements he might have just taken the same cup three different times and put it back in the water (laughs) and brought it back out again to like wipe it down with the rag and i'm not even sure he's conscious of the fact that there's anything wrong with that cup or why he kept on doing that it's just a thing to do yeah so leela this is you see arno there doing the dishes when you walk into the room okay i think leela's kind of been getting a little tense and so i think she's just gonna have like a bit of a a tone when she walks in and she's just gonna say Arno why are you here it's the only part of the ship that reminds me of a boat fascinating uh no why are you here at the Minerva project you're making my job a million times harder it's my assignment same as yours sure but part of the assignment was to be diplomats, right? We're trying to be a public face for the Republic. And you're making enemies left and right. I don't know about diplomat. Nasir, maybe. Mara is a credible face for resources and research that have benefited the Verge. And you're a fine mediator. But I don't think anybody called for us to be diplomats here either way we have an external mission and we're fucking that up we haven't made as much progress as i'd like on the secret mission either so what do you think our external mission is our external mission is to make the republic look good and to convince these planets in the verge that there's some benefit to staying in the Republic. And prevent another war, right? And prevent another war. And yet everything you've done has just alienated people. When we were in the alley, I didn't have time to check to see if Nasir was okay and also stop the man who was running away. I had to make a choice and I got greedy and I picked both. Because if Nasir had died in that alley, there would have been a war if I didn't have a body to show for it. Everything else got complicated, and it's so frustrating to know exactly how the conspiracy was going to play out and watch it happen and still not even know why they did it. I think at this, like, Leela kind of takes a deep breath and loosens up a little bit. I think we're starting to have a conversation now. And I think she's just going to kind of turn to Arno and say, I agree. Things got complicated, but it wasn't just the shooting. It was alienating Lawrence. They're not all our enemies just because they don't agree with us. Are they our enemies if they lie to us? Use us? Not necessarily. Are we their enemies if we use them? 
Not necessarily. Ruby didn't seem to feel that way. <sighs> now I think <laughs> Leela's gonna kind of sigh and almost like go to turn away, but then she's gonna stop herself and say, Ruby, that was complicated. You did what you had to for the mission. I understand that. Why does it seem like everything you have to do ends up making more enemies than we can afford? We could have worked with Lawrence instead of berating him. I don't know if we made more enemies. I think we just ripped off the mask. But we also failed. So I'm wrong. Who's to say that anything I knew of what this was or what this mission was is still true anymore? What did you what did you know about this mission going in? I mean, I thought I was here on babysitting duty. You've got the highest profile non-elected political icon, a brilliant researcher. And while you might still be young, the weight of the Sato Institute's certainly nothing to to scoff at here in the Verge or anywhere for that matter. My mission What's different about me being here versus you being here is that I need to make sure that you're alive to finish your mission. Everyone lies, Arno. Everyone's hiding things. Everyone has their own agenda. That doesn't mean that we can't work with them. And that doesn't mean they're trying to kill us. There's a middle ground. Do you get that? I like working with assurances. I like knowing where people stand, and I like knowing where I stand in relation to them. That way, there are no surprises to work through when someone gets pissed off or when someone acts in their own best interest. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I, I can't promise you what everyone else is going to do in this world, but I can tell you this. You can count on me to be on your team. Okay. After just over two days of travel, the Valiant arrives back at Ascension Station and returns to the hangar where we first saw the ship. And in the next shot, we see the elevator doors open on the second floor of the Minerva Project headquarters revealing the four of you. As you walk down the hallway and into the large room at its end, which has been transformed into a sort of command center, we see on the left wall a TV screen that's showing a few reports out of status. In one of the reports, you see Randall Lawrence, the head of public safety, standing at a podium with Herman Eastling looking on from the background. And in the lower third of the screen, we see text that says, Council announces heightened security measures in response to Aventine threat. And then in the next shot, you see Oscar Mina, who is Ruby's chief of staff, raising his hand to be sworn in as he fills a vacant seat on the council. Snake! (laughs) (laughs) So as you walk into the room, though, Morris Shaw kind of looks up from something he was reading on a slate uh, being held by Sasha Green, and he turns to face the four of you, uh, but kind of glances briefly at the screen on the wall. 
Well, you four have been busy, haven't you? An Aventine spy ring. Not sure that was on my bingo card for this one. Come on. Who has a present for him? <laughs> oh, yeah. Arna, do you have the camera? Yeah, yeah, and I've got them in my hands. Um, I'll uh, bring them up to him, and I'll say... There were more, but they were needed for the mission. <laughs> I think he kind of looks at the box and um, just kind of take it in. So it's like you said, it's like really crumpled, like an accordion and has some stains on it or. Yeah, I I think he kind of takes the box and has a really skeptical look on his face and he kind of just opens the lid and looks inside and then kind of closes the lid and puts it down on like a desk to his right and just says, well, it's the thought that counts. I regret to inform you that these might be the last ones you'll have the opportunity to enjoy. The baker at the shop was one of those who were implicated in the spiring. I think his face gets very solemn when you say that. And he just says, Oh my, that is very unfortunate to hear. I spent a lot of time there when I was working on the armistice and got to know him pretty well. I wouldn't have suspected. I'm going to nod my head and rejoin the rest of the group. Well, anyway, I'm hoping that you have some good news on the Lustra, at least. You all find anything useful down there? I think Mara's going to pull out the beacon and say... It needs further study if you'll allow me some time with it. I think that Shaw's eyebrows just kind of, or like one eyebrow goes up when you pull it out and say that. And I think he says, where did you find that thing? In the Lustra mine near the site of a purported accident. I think Sasha Green interjects then and says, is there any chance that that's dangerous? Highly unlikely. It's been on my person for quite some time, and if it was going to explode, I would have assumed it would have done it by now. <laughs> I think Leela finds that kind of funny, <laughs> despite everything. Shaw says, after that, you found it in the mine. Other than that, any connection with the anomalies or the incidents with the Lustra? Perhaps. It was implicated in the spy ring. The beacon was transmitting information back to a house that some separatists were potentially meeting at. He kind of nods and says, a house for some separatists was meeting at. Anything that actually linked it back to Aventine? I think Mar is going to look him straight in the eye and say... Do you believe that Aventine truly was operating the spy ring on this planet? I don't think Mara is very suspicious of Shaw, but hmm. I think the having his BFF Baker implicated in the spy ring, whether she believes it's real or not, is uh, she she wants more information on this guy who's pulling our strings. Uh, I yeah, think yeah. Arno bristles at that question. Hmm. 
So are you trying to like interpret his? So you're, are you just trying to hear what he says, or are you trying to like interpret his body language or something? Like I'm just trying to figure out if you want yeah, to. Yeah, I want to know if he's telling us that whatever he's going to say. I think she is at a heightened level of um, anticipation okay. for his response. So don't know if I need to roll anything right now, but she's yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think go ahead and roll scope it out. Actually, all right. Come on, a plus two. Eight. All right, that's pretty good. So on an eight, you can ask one question from the list. I think it's going to be who or what here is not what they seem. It's not that she's very suspicious of Shaw. She just yeah. is trying to see through to the his true intents here. Does he? How does he actually feel about the situation? Is he have a yeah. political bent here, or is it truly what he's saying? He's the the humanitarian that's just trying to save the universe from this lustra anomaly. So, I think Shaw says. The only thing I've seen is what's been on the news and kind of gestures to the screen and what you're telling me now. But he asked me, is it possible for there to be Aventine spies on Satis? Certainly think so. One of the things I picked up working on the armistice is that sometimes you have to overlook the small acts of war, at least if you don't want them turning into bigger ones. Aventine put some spies on Satis, tried to influence the vote. You really think we wouldn't do the same, aren't doing the same? It's all just how the game is played. And sometimes it's best to leave the other team's piece on the board instead of forcing a trade. And I think what you get from that, because I do want to answer your scope it out question, mm-hmm. is, I mean, he's like, you get the sense that he is like being genuine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, right? And did he think the Candlelight guy was an Aventine spy? I think that you got that he was surprised when you said he was mm-hmm. wrapped up in that. But the situation itself is not surprising to him, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I think that response kind of like pleases her. Mm-hmm. Mara isn't a schemestress, but her boss, Nolan Callahan, is. So I think that uh-huh. she has... It's not a talent in her wheelhouse to like kind of play people off each other, but she does respect people who have this ability. So I think she kind of sees that and that she appreciates that. Yeah. Does anyone else react to that? Or So I think Leela's going to straighten up a little bit and say, while the spy ring was concerning, there is a larger issue that you need to be aware of. And what might that be? In the course of investigating and uncovering the spy ring, we were forced to disclose some information about the Lustra anomalies to a member of the Satis government. So when you say that, Shaw and Sasha Green kind of both like their eyes snap up to you. And they're kind of just like looking gravely serious at you, Leela. I think Mara jumps in and she says, additionally, the Minerva Project isn't the only institution with this knowledge of the Lustra disappearance. When I went to the house that the Separatists or whoever was meeting there, they also had access to information indicating Lustra disappearance. And do you show them, like, I think you had that you had taken the information from the slate 
Sure. Uh, um, I'll go ahead and I'll show him that. Yeah, I think his brow like furrows when you kind of pass yeah. it over and you see them looking at the slate. The only information we shared with the government of Satis is the information that is on that slate. They don't know anything else about the Minerva Project or about the Lustra disappearances as far as we're aware. I think he kind of nods and says, well, if someone is out there and is responsible for these anomalies, at least that person would know about this as well. Now, whether or not this was Aventine, personally, I think there's more to be seen on that, but it doesn't surprise me that someone was this far along. It just means that we have a clock on this now. Director Shaw, I agree with you. There are pieces to the puzzle that are still missing. We didn't get everyone in the ring, I don't think. And there's probably more to the story. He nods and says, I agree that there's more to look into, but if nothing else, at least this is a place to start, even if it came at some cost. But um, next time, it's just Shaw, Leela. Leela's just gonna nod. So I think that's the scene. And at this point, I want to take care of the ship payment move and your upgrades, which for the ship playbook, our kind of custom playbook for the Valiant, we call show of support. So to determine the modifier for the role, we're going to start at minus one. And then go through each of the major factions in the game and see how they felt about the mission. And we'll add one if they liked what went down um, or subtract one if they disliked it. um, And otherwise, we'll leave it at zero for neutral. So to start that off, um, how do we think that the Minerva project itself feels about the last arc? Uh, Lauren, you want to kick that off? Yeah, definitely. I mean, based on just that last exchange that we had. Uh, obviously, Shaw is disappointed, I think mainly because we didn't bring him back all the cannelay. Uh That's probably the <laughs> worst thing that we did, and I can't think of anything else that yeah. was bad. Uh, but but realistically, he said <laughs> that like we, we, we went somewhere, right? We we did make an advancement in the Lustra mystery. So I'd say they're they're positive for us right now. All right. Any any opposing thoughts to that? Or are we all on board for positive? On board. On board. All right. So that's plus one. For that, so that brings us up to zero. Zero. Next, we have Evelyn Lee and the Doves. Um, I'll go with Mo for the, to start off this one. Uh, I think that the Doves are probably positive on us. Uh, I think we busted an Aventine spy ring, uh, and that's what the media is saying. So Evelyn Lee, in particular, I think is probably feeling pretty good. Hmm. I sort of disagree just because i think the dove's whole thing is that there's no need for war and that we can settle this peacefully but kind of anything that shows that aventine is kind of you know working against us or working at cross purposes kind of ratchets up the tension a little bit so i would kind of go maybe more neutral rather than positive can i ask one quick question how known is it that we shot a guy and put him in critical condition I think that that is known and got like included in the news reports. Right. But the Aventine spy ring is the larger story. 
Or... Yeah, I think it got kind of wrapped together with that. But I do, I do think for what it's worth, the shooting having happened, that is in the news. You gotcha. know, okay. You know, we can discuss how we think that that affected things. Yeah. But well, where, where are you at on that, Lauren? I'd say neutral or or negative. Again, I think if the implication is out there that yeah, we found this Avatine spying, but we did it using violence, then I think they're hmm. negative. Again, the overall idea is that we can settle this through pure diplomacy. Yeah. Mike, what about you? I think neutral. I think that they're not happy that there was an Aventine spy ring that got like busted open over here. But I do think that they're probably happy that Satis was cooperative in, and like took a, a major uh, role in like leading the resolution of the situation, showing that like there yeah. are systems in the verge that still want to be with the Republic and a unified humanity. I think that has to look good, um, even if they're not happy with like what it was that was looking good there. Right. Yeah. yeah. OK, I like that. So it sounds like the, maybe the consensus is neutral. So we'll yeah. say zero for that one. And then what about the fleet and the Hawks? Uh, I think they want to crush that up and like do a line of it because they, a fucking <laughs> Aventine spiring just got busted. <laughs> fucking let's go. Uh, and you, because of well, the shooting. Yeah. And there's, and someone got shot. That was that was not the <laughs> metaphor I was expecting for this one. But, you know, crush that up Jesus. and snort it. Um, <laughs> I'm pro oh, whatever Mike it. just said. I like it. Yeah. You know what? The delivery was on point. He did make points. Yes. Like he said things, but on uh, uh, yeah, yeah. attitude, the Riz was there. Yeah, it's like even if I disagree, how do I respond to that? It's almost yeah. impossible. It do be um, like that well, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It do. It do. Well, does, does anyone disagree, or are we all on no. board for positive for the no. the Hawks? They're just happy. All right. What about Aventine? Oh, mad as hell. Okay. <laughs> They're spaghetti muy upsetty. Yeah. Oh my right. best case best case for them is we uncovered an actual spiring. Worst case is we uncovered <laughs> a not real spiring and both and shot someone. Yeah. And shot someone. <laughs> and shot yeah. someone. I mean that that yeah. might, that they might not care about as much. He had three kids. Uh, direct quote. Direct quote. Resorts to violence even one time. Yeah. Direct quote. <laughs> they will consider it an act of war. Yeah, I do think the thing that mitigates that, I will say, Mo, is the fact that this guy was Republic. on paper a public safety officer, right? So it's like, oh, is this someone who's pro-independence? Because I think that that was kind of what they were saying. Right. But the question is, is, is he a public safety officer or is he an Aventine spy? Because we can't have it both ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> They're pissed. No, I mean, you could definitely be both ways. That's uh, that's what makes him a spy. I know that this doesn't have a bearing on the mechanics of the game, but the angrier Aventine gets, the happier the Hawks are about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, that that there is some like kind of interesting tension there, but mm-hmm. okay. So I think I think negative on this. So we'll say minus one there, and then we are left with the rest of the verge. What do we think they think about the situation? Neutral. I think it's the verge at large probably sees this as kind of dueling powers um, mm-hmm. that may or may not have an effect on their life. Like the what is the phrase? Like when the elephants fight the grass gets trampled. And so they're like, how does this materially yeah. benefit me whatsoever that these people are out here um, scheming against mm-hmm. one another? Well, I agree. I just think that's why it's negative, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we had done nothing, there was a silent spy ring of Aventine spying on the Republic. That doesn't hurt the verge. But what we have done, I think like brings it to the forefront and like raises it. So I think it's negative. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I buy that too. Negative on who though? Cause like, I think that's negative on the Republic and Aventine, like I might see somebody being like, oh, that's politics as usual and like not want to engage with like either side in this case. 
And not so right, much I'm like saying it's I've, negative on us, the Minerva Project, like not Aventine or the Republic. We were the people who instigated. So I think it's negative on us, the four of us. Well, Haley, what do you think? You haven't chimed in yet. Yeah, I was a bit mixed on this one. I think at the end of the day, the Minerva Project is an arm of the Republic. So, of course, we're going to be lumped in with like what the Republic does. So I don't think it's surprising for us to be like acting in the interests of the republic so to me it's just neutral yeah i mean they did th- you know they did like thank you for helping out publicly of course there's also the other side of the news you know so mm-hmm. there's at least yeah. that but so Mo, i got you as leaning negative was everybody else neutral or was anyone else also negative uh i was neutral i'd be neutral negative i any either of those toss up and then Haley, you're neutral yeah Okay, so I think we'll we'll say neutral. I'd probably lean neutral too, for what it's worth. But, but I think with the Lauren's fifty fifty split, we have a majority, so uh, we are mm-hmm. are good for for neutral. Okay, so I think that again leaves us at zero for this. One day we're gonna get get a positive on this roll. I'm feeling next arc, but for this one, I think based on her success in the mine and just mm-hmm. totally ignoring any roles before or after that, I'm going to ask yeah, yeah. Lauren to do the ship upgrade move this time and get some redemption. Uh, so Lauren, go yes. ahead and roll 2d6 and we'll see what the number is. Absolutely. Well. Oh, not redemption. So a three. Okay. So the ship payment move, a uh, show of support. When your crew successfully completes a mission and others learn of your deeds, you roll plus allegiance, which is that modifier that we just figured out. And on a six or less, while some acknowledge your efforts, many others do not. So you can either choose one upgrade or you can choose two. But then at the start of your next mission, you have to mark one additional burn on the fourth estate fuse, um, which right now is at three out of five segments. So Lauren, up to you. But just to read the options before you make that choice, the upgrades you can pick are you spend time or resources improving your public image, and that will let you uncheck disfavored and clear the fourth estate fuse so that puts you back to to zero unless you pick the the choose two option in which case you'd have one on that check you can bring your ship in for maintenance and reset the maintenance fuse you can remove damage from the ship but right now the ship doesn't have any so we can skip that one you can get an upgrade for the ship you can get a new vehicle to put in the ship or you can collect your salary and have off-duty time to spend it which would let each crew member do individual upgrades so I guess the first question is, uh, do you want to pick one from the list or do you want to pick two and have that additional fourth estate fuse burned? And then in either case, which upgrades do you want? Um, I'm not going to pick two. I'm going to pick one. And so, sorry, did you say we were at three out of five on the... Uh... Right now you're at three out of five. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to do the boring safe decision and uncheck one of those. You said that was an option, correct? Well, no. Or so no? so if you do the... Yeah, no, no. So that's one of the options. If you use that option, it totally clears the whole thing. It goes back to zero. And this only presents a problem for you. Just to explain the fuse. Okay. It's only an issue if you have all, like once all the boxes are checked, then you have the negative consequence. But mm. until then, it's it's kind of safe. Oh, okay. Then, then never if mind. You, What's up? But like if, if you, next one you got two or something, then you'd be kind of fucked, right? But it's, you know, if you I'm only have one, it's just the normal thing. Because yeah. I'm so good at rolling dice recently. Mo? Ha. If you take two upgrades and you use one of them to clear the fourth estate fuse, it, like, net reduces the fourth estate fuse and gets us another upgrade, no matter what. Yeah. 
it would do that. You would, you know, you would still only have one upgrade, but that does, that would do that. You're correct. Right. That seems like that shouldn't be allowed. Um, but I'm not hearing a no. (laughs) So I think that's exactly what I'm, that is rules is written. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I think, I think I'll do that. And then. I'll go ahead and solicit ideas now if anyone has something that they genuinely believe that we should spend our coinage on. The only thing that I was thinking about was just the research lab um, was something that I thought might be nice, especially now that we have a thing that can be studied in the research lab. Um, And, you know, so that was kind of one direction I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing that I was thinking was taking, again, like kind of the safe, boring choice and ticking off redundant systems and then just kind mm. of beefing up the health of our ship. I, I think that like one way we could do this is the research lab. I think another that we could do is we could take the lasers. Um, similarly, like I think that things are heating up. Mm. I think that we have now fired on someone. I think that we'd already been sort of attacked. And the lasers is an upgrade we can do in in the short term. Like we can do today and have lasers to prepare us for future. If we go with the redundant systems, like I'm pretty anti-redundant systems, if only because we already started building the stealth system Mm -hmm. with one point. Oh, good point. So it doesn't make sense to me to start building another three thing and not. I did forget about that. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I think my, my vote was for stealth system, but also I think research lab is like immediately useful and like has some very interesting mm-hmm. mechanics um yeah i think i think i'll i i did kind of it slipped my mind that we started on the stealth i think i will add one to stealth just because we already kind of started okay. in that area and uh the quicker we actually achieve that upgrade then the more of these you know points matter all right so yeah you can go ahead and add another check to the stealth systems and then you can also clear the fourth estate fuse um so take it back to zero and then you can add one back in. So that's uh, taking it down from three to one. Yep. All right. So now that we've wrapped up the mechanics, I think it's time to jump into some more scenes. Uh, so what is Mara doing? So I assume it's kind of like the the next day. We kind of we take our long rest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I think she's up. She's got her on Ascension clothes, which are nice and freshly pressed. And she's got some smart casual heels on. And she is marching over and knocks on Nasir's door. And what's Nasir doing? Like, what do we see inside the room when this happens? Uh, so I think if you look at my room, it's like, you know, it's ship's quarters. So even though they're officer's quarters, they're pretty tight. I think like on the right hand side is a bed above like a set, like pretty high up above like a set of drawers that are, that are built into the wall. Mm. Uh, and there's probably like a, a painting right above the bed, like just a thin one, not like a big framed thing on the left-hand side. You've got like a couple of shelves, one that's got uh, something we'll talk about a little bit later, but one that's just full of like tools and doodads and things uh, like just his like gear essentially. Uh, and then in the back, there's like a desk and on it is like a, ter- a small terrarium uh, with a plant in it uh, yeah. with like a bonsai shrub. Uh, and so I think what we sort of see is like Nasir putting down like hand shears like and like replacing the glass case on the top of the terrarium uh, and answering the door. 
Oh, good morning. Um, I was wondering if you had a little time to come on a investigative mission with me today. Uh, of course. Uh, what is this regarding? And he's already. I'm already pulling on my my uh, Minerva Project jacket, which is okay. freshly laundered. Yeah. Uh, Aventinian separatist ideology. <laughs> Aventine. That's what I said. Um, apologies, Doctor Belova. Um, residents of planet Aventine do not refer to themselves as Aventinian. They refer to themselves as Aventine. Aventinian's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> like I finished putting on my jacket. Fascinating. I have obviously so much to learn. I join her and yeah. I, I start walking. I'm also, I am wearing the Minerva Project jacket. I'm wearing some like really comfy shoes uh, and I am wearing some very, very sharp khaki slacks, freshly pressed. Excellent. So, yeah, so I think they're they're out for what Mara understands on Earth as like a data access location. Um, so just kind of large repositories of information that like hubs for sharing and disseminating um, information. So if, if you're like, and I assume that, that you kind of, give Nasir like the sort of the lowdown what it is that you're looking for and kind of brief him in on that. But then Nasir, like where where do you take Mara? Uh I assume that since we are in the verge, I am taking Mara to a physical library. Oh. With real books. Interesting. And this is an like an Aventine thing or uh this is uh, a thing that would have started on Aventine, but I think is probably like become just part of Verge culture everywhere. Where you know, even though we've evolved past libraries on Earth, because you have sort of these data access points, libraries on Aventine and in the Verge have sort of had a resurgence, and they're places that are that are very very special. Okay, interesting. Like physical so libraries with physical books. Like paper. Well, uh, yes, physical libraries with physical books. Yeah. So I think we see you all get in the people mover, the, this kind of system that runs in a ring around the station, and you get off at what I think I labeled as consulate row, um, which is kind of where there's these outposts of all of the various planets in the Verge. And you get off this people mover, and I think that Nasir, you kind of are leading her down the this kind of a central walkway in the station, and you reach well. And then let me ask, like, what does it look like from the outside when you get to this this library? So, I think unlike the rest of the Ascension Station, which is all this sleek metal, there is a sort of classic tall wooden door frame, uh, and into the door frame is carved the Shakespearean quote. Uh, stars, hide your fires, let not light see my black and deep desires. And it's it's like, I suspect that these doors are sort of like what you would see if you were walking into a church, circa oh, like 1200. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I think as they approach, this is like genuinely astounding Tamara. And I think she kind of can't help herself but to like reach out and touch the woodwork. And, like, look at the intricacies of this piece of physical culture. So I think you touch the the door. And, and is here, do you open it? Or, or kind of what's the next step here? I knock. 
Oh, okay. Hmm. I think it takes a few seconds, but after you knock the right side door from your right, the door opens up. And you see, like, opening the door and kind of holding it open for you, there's a, a woman. She's probably in her mid-40s. She has dark brown skin, kind of long box braids running over her shoulders and down to her waist, um, and actually green-rimmed octagonal glasses, um, so kind of very interesting glasses. And I think she's holding a book in her hand with her finger kind of marking the page, but she opens the door and, and lets you in and kind of nods to you. Thank you so much. And I will just walk in. Mm-hmm. Mara, do you follow? Mara, up until this point, has thought that Nasir was kind of being a little cute with his language um, and calling it a data access point like a library. Of course, in her experience, when she's gone to libraries, they've kind of been things of show, not actually places where people go and study and pull out books and mark things down and photocopy. None of that. So I think as she approaches the door and enters and sees something, someone holding a physical book, I think her entire disposition is kind of slowly changing into complete and utter like shock and awe. So I think you walk in and the, and the woman shuts the door behind you and she sort of walks to the left and takes a seat behind like a curved reference desk. And behind that desk, there's like a bunch of small drawers. So it almost looks like how an old card catalog looks, where there's just kind of rows and rows of these little rectangular drawers. Um, But she kind of just sits down and goes back to her book. But straight ahead from the door, there are several rows of bookcases. And I kind of want to turn it over to you as you're walking through the library to ask, like, what kind of stuff or what do these books look like that you're seeing on these bookcases? So I think Haley's question earlier, like they're all printed on paper. Uh, not quite. Like I think books on earth are, if I understand correctly, like marg- largely made from, is it cellulose? Is that correct? Am I smart? It's tree stuff. I think is That's my understanding. Good enough. Yeah, yeah. Paper is, is largely made from trees. Um, <laughs> but uh, in the verge, uh, <laughs> but I think in the verge, the trees are different, but also I think the material that has been used to construct these books is wide and varied. So I mm-hmm. think we see books of every color and shape and size, uh, but also like of varying materials, like books that look like they are made from silk, like the covers are made are like literally silk Yeah, books that look like they're like wood grain or that almost look like they're like you know, crystalline. I think you probably see some books where the pages glow a little bit, where they're, where they're bioluminescent or they were when they were bio (laughs) and not paper. (laughs) I think you probably even see like a spot on the shelf. That's like, if you're familiar with like Vanta black, like where you look at the shelf and it, it actually just looks like there's a hole in space where the book is like, there's just nothing there. You're, you're sort of like, I'm even like someone who like knows it. Like it's, this is like nothing that we have on mm-hmm, earth, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is, if you were in an art exhibit at a museum, this would be more akin to that than it would to a library as we understand them in the 21st right. century. Yeah. Right. Like you're looking at what is essentially like a stained glass window in a church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
So, I mean, as you're walking through this, is there like, what are you two talking or like, what's what, how are you kind of reacting as you walk through this, this library? Yeah, I, I think that Mara is just, again, completely overwhelmed. I don't think she is very tuned in to Aventine artistry and, and culture in this kind of fashion. This just adds a whole dimension to her, her perception of this part of the universe. I think that, again, like on, on Earth right now, as in the the convergence timeline, if books yeah. are made at all, <laughs> they are made incredibly uniform. The cover is nondescript. Um, it is like as little paper as possible, and it's works of great import, right? And so I think that she was here to understand their thought process and familiarize herself with a like conceptual and philosophical difference between Earth and Aventine and the Verge to at large, but she is bowled over with what she doesn't understand. And I think she's pretty reverent of that fact. Not what you expected. I, I actually don't think she can respond to you. I think that she's like, her hand is like kind of as she's walking, like hovering across the spines of each of the books, but she is too scared to actually touch them. The smile on Nasir's face is is the same shit-eating grin. <laughs> that he had when he first stepped foot on Ascension Station is this sort of, this is the magic. This is where it is. Yeah. Um, I know that libraries on Earth are few and far between and largely a site for historical artifacts. But Aventine and the Verge at large have long treated the creation of the written word as a form of artistic expression, not just in their poetry and prose, but in the presentation. I will grab a book off the shelf for her to feel the cover. Mm -hmm. And I think it is, it's almost like, I don't know what the word is. That means like, it's like a hard, almost like a hard shell. It's like a C word, but <laughs> I just carapace? Like hand you a care. It's almost like a carapace. Mm. Uh, and I think it's like, black to gold like the edges sort of fade and if you open it it is probably just a cookbook uh <laughs> i think she'll like laugh and like this weird giddy kid-like expression of pure joy that is very unbecoming of the mar that you've come to to know but i think like she hears herself and kind of straightens up reeve kasark was ruby's inspiration what does that name mean to you Reef Kasarik wasn't just Ruby's inspiration. Uh, Reef Kasarik might be the progenitor of independence uh, in the Verge. Kasarik was uh, one of the early thinkers on uh, writers and thinkers on independence in the period before you, Doctor Belova, solved Aventine's greatest challenge. There was a strong growing sentiment that the people of earth fundamentally could not understand what it meant to be Aventine. They had lived lives were so very different than the people who were being born and raised on Aventine. In the beginning, those who came here were pioneers but there was a promise for a life that, that wasn't really fulfilled, and things on Aventine were hard. 
But when the new generation was born, those were people who did not know Earth and felt no connection to it. And as that population grew, and as the separation from Earth became more and more extreme, thinking evolved that despite the citizens of Aventine only being a minority of the population of humanity, that the majority of humanity didn't understand them in a way where they could govern them. And it's at this point that I'm going to sort of arrive at a shelf. Yeah. And I'm going to reach out for a book that I think has bright yellow pages. The cover is a soft velvet, almost mulberry color. And I'm going to pull out a book called On Independence. Yeah. And hand it tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. And I think you see like on the cover of it that it says that Reeve Kassark is listed as the author. I think she'll just kind of open it up and, and maybe flip through it and see if anything catches her eye. So you open it up and I think it's like you're flipping through the kind of like front matter of the book, right? But you kind of stop when you get to the first page and you just see like the first line is kind of slightly larger than the rest of the text. And it just says... The stars are different here. But at this point, I actually want Mara to roll act quick. Uh-oh. <whistles> Paper cut. Uh. <laughs> oh, I think I added a plus one to this for my uh, uh level up, so I'm feeling good. Okay. Yes. Nine. Yes. Mix. Okay. Feeling pretty good. So act quick. So when you use your instincts or reflexes to avoid danger or negotiate through danger toward a goal... You can roll plus slick. Um, and on a seven to nine, you can do it, but you have to choose one from the list. You're either off balanced or rushed, and you have disadvantage going forward. You've left something behind, I'll tell you what. Or you're pushed to your limits with the effort, suffer one stress. Uh, I think off balance. Um, uh, the... Okay. So you have disadvantage going forward? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So let's mark that. And what I think happens is I think you're kind of holding the book and you bump into someone. And we look up and we see that the person you bumped into is Ramon Herrera, the Aventine vice consul. And he kind of like looks up startled and is taking in and looks at you, Nasir, and his eyes kind of go wide for a second. But then he looks back to Mara and says, Dr. Belova, Mr. Badok, what brings you to our library today? So can I just say, John, you said he's the Aventine council, but that's not all he is. That's true. Vice Consul. (laughs) (laughs) Assistant to the Vice Um, Consul. (laughs) uh, Vice Consulate, Dr. Pullover had some questions on uh, Aventine culture, and I was educating her. And I'm looking him dead in the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I apologize. I I do remember your face, but um, you'll have to remind me of your name. My apologies, Dr. Pullover. Dr. Belova, Vice Consulate of Aventine, Ramon Herrera. Vice Consulate, Dr. Mara Belova. So he nods and extends a hand to you, Mara. I think she'll take it and shake it warmly. So as you're shaking his hand, he says, Dr. Belova, I have to say I'm less surprised to find you in this library than I was to hear that you were a part of the Minerva Project. 
I'm I'm sorry. I I don't know if I follow you. I, I think that as you say that, he finishes shaking your hand and he says, "You perhaps more than anyone are responsible for the success of the Aventine Revolution, for independence in the Verge. At least more than anyone else on Earth." <laughs> that that can't possibly be true. No one actually believes that. If Mara looks at Nasir's face right now, Nasir's mouth is a thin line, but he is very lightly nodding his head. Mm. The crops that we built were a scientific marvel, but not every scientist or artisan or politician is responsible for the effect of every idea they conceive, certainly. He kind of nods and says, even so, on Aventine, we recognize and appreciate the contribution, even if your later actions are more concerning. And he kind of looks back and just says, well, I'll leave you two to your studies. A pleasure seeing you in, in this setting, at least. I think she'll nod at him. Yeah. Vice consul. So he kind of walks away, and I think that the the rows, like the shelves are quite narrow and he kind of has to like squeeze by you Nasir to get out of the, to, to go back toward the front of the library and you feel him pass something into your hand and it's like a small piece of paper. I pocket it before he's even gone. I just wanted to say, I think Mara's going to like watch him leave and look at Nasir and say, oh, it's nice that not everyone of Aventine hates us. <laughs> Nasir will turn to uh, Mara and just the the smile on his face is the most strained it has ever been. <laughs> that is certainly nice, Doctor Velova. So okay, so you you have the book now though, and yeah. Lauren, are you are you trying to check out the book or leave with it? What's the next step of the book? So I think what she says is, this is an exceptional piece of artistry. I will return to the front desk and ask for their digital copy and leave this artifact where it be. Unfortunately, Dr. Belova, I don't believe you'll be able to find a digital copy of that book. (laughs) That can't be true. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned this to Miss Malik when she asked similar questions about Aventine. On Earth, there is a right way to do everything. Often the way, the right way, is the way that is most efficient, that is most helpful, that is most beneficial. The act of writing a book and not making a digital copy was revolutionary. And Reef Kasarik is nothing if not revolutionary. Well... I would like to peruse the contents of this book at my leisure. How would one go about doing that? In order to take something out of the library, you must leave something precious to you behind. Like, money? Is that, am I paying for this? I can't answer for you, Dr. Belova, what you find precious. 
I, I, okay, I think her, her face hardens a little bit and she walks back to the, the front desk. Yeah. So I think you go back to the front desk and you kind of put the book down on the desk and the librarian that we saw earlier kind of like takes a note on some ledger and puts the book back on the desk and then kind of looks at you expectantly. Yeah. She's going to take out a small strap of fabric that says remove before flight on it. So this is the keychain. Yeah, it's the keychain. Yeah. And she's going to place it down. And as the person reaches for it, she's going to grab their wrist and say, you will take exceptional care of this item. Are we clear? So I, I think she looks up at you and you grab her wrist and she says, as you will ours. And then takes the keychain and opens one of those drawers behind the desk and puts it in and closes it and puts another note in the ledger. Mm -hmm. Hey there, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you're enjoying Worlds Away so far and you know someone who has similar refined and sophisticated tastes, please go ahead and recommend us. If you have no friends, you can also help the show by rating and reviewing us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you use to listen to podcasts. Additionally, give us a shout out on whatever social media platform you swear you're going to quit this year. If you want to say hi, you can also find us on most platforms at Worlds Away Pod or online at worldsawaypod.com. Thanks again for listening. And now back to your episode. What is Arno doing right now? Arno um, is going to make his way to give his report to Admiral Mendoza. Okay. So I think there was like a comms room somewhere in the Republic diplomatic complex. So is it the same place or? Yeah. So I'm going to make my way back to the Republic diplomatic complex and back to the same room. Actually, um, I yeah. left a few markers in there just to see if there other uh, had been disturbed or otherwise like bugged and stuff like that. So I'm just going to do a couple of rounds to make sure oh, yeah. that it's still a secure place to like make that call out of. Gotcha. I think you check and you don't, you know, you do your sweeps and you don't see any indication that the room's been, you know, messed with or bugged in any way. Okay. So I think we kind of like pick up in the middle of the conversation and you're in this comms room and are kind of being illuminated by the screen. And on the screen, we see Admiral Mendoza um, and she's currently wearing gym clothes and like wiping some sweat off of her face. Mm. And in the bottom right of the screen, we kind of see the time in Tokyo. And it says like 5.02 a.m. And I think that we start off by her saying, I've taken the liberty of speaking with Admiral Tran. Well, the fact that this man was fleeing is less than ideal. Between my discussions and the news coming out of Satis. I'd expect that you'll be cleared for duty again within the next week or so. Understood. The way I see it, Capra decided to help people who 
send a lot of my kids back in caskets during the war. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, and neither should you, Lieutenant. Yes, ma'am. One thing has been bugging me, though. Why do you think he wanted Nasir's slate? I mean, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of reasons, but I was curious if you had any sense on the Abby's angle here. Ma'am, the most frustrating thing about my failure in this mission is that I still don't know what the conspiracy was about in the first place. It was obvious what they were trying to do, how they were going to package it, and how they intended to wrap things up at the end. And it all went according to plan. And I still don't know who was playing us or why. She kind of nods and says, You've called it a failure, Lieutenant, but sitting here, all I've seen is a success. You shut down an Aventine spy ring, got praise from the people in Satis, and found, frankly, the most impressive piece of evidence you've seen so far in this Lustra incident or anomalies. Permission to speak freely, ma'am? <laughs> she just nods. That's making it even worse. Hmm. The thanks that we're getting, damned with faint praise, for a show that was going to happen whether we were there or not, is deeply frustrating. We were played, we don't know who by, and they got exactly what they wanted. I don't know who we helped or why. I don't know if there was more information to gather or who's playing who in all of this. She just kind of like shakes her head and says, Lieutenant, I appreciate that it can be frustrating to not have everything clean and tied up in a bow, but the longer I've worn the uniform, the more I've come to terms with the fact that life doesn't always give it to us that way. In terms of being played, I mean, it's just as likely that Aventine was responsible for everything that happened on this planet, and that the investigation back on Satis will uncover the answers in due course, but even if not, digging into this deeper might only reflect poorly on one of our friends and mm. those are harder and harder to come by in the verge i think there's another pause and then she says well anything more on shaw the baker that he sent us to on Satis was implicated in the spy ring i investigated the box and sent you the files i can't really make heads or tails of what the message was that was being sent by the delivery I'm going to investigate the dead drop site, investigate Administrator Saeed again, and see what leads I can turn up. She nods and says, from my desk, I think this is looking worse and worse for Shaw. Frankly, I can't understand why he and Lee haven't gone public with what they know yet. I can't make heads or tails of what they think will happen if they hide this and don't have a response, because right now... We don't know what to do with this information. It's clear to me that whatever's happening here, Aventine is ahead of us on this. And based on what you found at the house, that they're responsible for these anomalies or whatever they're calling them. Keeping this quiet, it's just seeding the field to them. At this point, Shaw working with Aventine, that's the only explanation I can think of. Ma'am, I don't doubt that Aventine wants this information or would give anything to, to know this but if they're involved if they're behind this 
I don't see why they wouldn't share this information to make us look weak now, why they would keep it to themselves. If this were just information that they stumbled upon, exposing the Republic's involvement, exposing the Minerva Project, that might make sense to me. But if Aventine is responsible, not just for what you found in the house, but for the disappearance of the Lustra in the first place, then keeping that a secret is letting them operate unhindered. Evelyn Lee Shaw, they talk about the secrecy as being necessary to prevent a war. At this point, the war has already begun, Lieutenant. The other side is just fighting in the shadows. So while all this is happening, where do we find Leela? So I think we find Leela in her cabin uh, on the ship, and she's sitting in the chair by her desk, but her eyes are closed, and on the desk we see uh, the same metronome that we saw before uh, ticking. So she's she's actually um, in her landscape. Okay, interesting. What is she doing there? When, when she was last in the landscape, after her sort of aborted indexing session with Ruby... Things were a little destabilized, it felt like. So she's in there just, first of all, there was some paint that Ruby had thrown on her mural. And then there was also, it just seems like some maybe damage to the landscape. So she is meticulously going through the mural and fixing up any of the paint that was spilled on it or, or anything else that's missing. So kind of like restoring the painting or... Exactly. Yeah. What does she look like as she's doing this? Like, what do we see on her face? Yeah. So I think she's got a look of concentration. And then in her hand, she has some very small paintbrushes, like very thin tip. And mm. she's got just like very small amounts of paint on her palette. So she's just dipping very small amounts and just working, you know, fixing really small details on the part she's on right now, um, on other parts where there was like paint spilled on it um, that she wasn't able to mop up previously, she had to kind of go in and take some of those layers off. And um, and so you can see parts that have kind of where like paint has been taken off. So I think if you're just working on this painting, maybe this is a good time for another flashback. Yeah. And I want to go back to the Sato Institute when Leela was first designing the landscape and kind of figuring out everything that we're seeing in this in this space right now. Yeah. So Haley, do you want to kind of describe what that looks like and paint that scene for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I think kind of that same concentration that we see her that we saw her with in um in her present day landscape. Um that's the same kind of look of concentration that she has um on her face now. So she is in a large room. It's got a bunch of windows on one side um, that let in a ton of light. It looks like it's um, it's afternoon and there's a ton of light streaming in. The room itself is essentially a like a student commons. So there's a bunch of different tables and chairs that are arranged in clusters um, where people might be 
studying or um, hanging out. And along two of the walls, there are big photographs of previous graduates of the Sato Institute. So just like previous class pictures, basically. And there's also some places where you can get food and and like vend- like futuristic vending machines, basically. So um, there's some stuff going on in other areas of the room. But uh, Leela has her easel set up in one of the corners by the wall with all the windows on it. So she's mm-hmm. in that kind of brighter light filled area. And um, on her easel, we see a canvas that has what we can tell is a, a more detailed version of, of the landscape. In the previous flashback we did, we saw Leela kind of sketching the landscape in her sketch pad. And that was definitely a more uh, rough concept. Uh, now uh, we see in this painting kind of the, actually the angle of the perspective has changed. Um, and we see that rather than looking at it more from up above, um, you can, you know, it's like you're standing, you know, head level or eye level. And um, you can see kind of, she has really got a lot of the details in there. So you can see kind of the three walls, brick on the walls, and um, there's some side tables, some shelving, um, and all of that is kind of in various states of of being painted on the canvas. So I, th- I think the room is like empty right now when you're in here working. And I think we kind of see a shot as kind of like, from the side where the canvas is on. So we just see your face kind of giving that same concentrated look that you were giving at the wall as you were trying to fix your mural. But in the background, we see one of the doors open and someone walks into the room. And as they kind of approach, we see that it is Paolo Mercado, who's the man that we first met in the back row of the classroom in sort of your previous flashback. And he kind of walks up to the, your left side and says, still working on that, huh? Hello, Paolo. <laughs> I can't believe you've been painting this for two months now. At some point, you just need to decide, Leela. You can always change it later, you know? The best uh, works of art take time. I don't rush into things like you. He kind of like half smiles and like laughs a little bit that and says... Confidence can be a virtue, too. After my first session with Mickey, I already knew what mine would be. Um, so I think Olila stops painting and um, just puts her brush down and actually turns to engage in this conversation and says, hmm. Oh, really, uh, Mr. Child Prodigy? And what did you have in your mind? What did you imagine at that moment? He, I, I think, kind of just takes off his pants. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, he kind of just takes off a, I think he has like a messenger bag over his shoulder. And he kind of takes it off and opens it up and takes out a dark wood metronome and puts it on a table nearby where you are. And says, I'd be happy to show you. Um, so I think Leela kind of rolls her eyes a little bit and just says, don't you have anything better to do? Probably, but this seems like it might be fun. 
so I think Leela kind of smiles in spite of herself and then looks over at her painting and says, I should probably let this dry anyway before I put more layers on it. So, yeah. And just kind of shrugs and says, let's do it. So I think you sit down and it's maybe like two chairs that are kind of on the same side of the table and kind of angled toward each other. And he kind of like looks at you and has like, again, a bit of a grin on, but he goes and like flicks with his finger, the read on the metronome and it starts ticking. And like, if you're indexing with another practitioner, do you like both say the words or do you think just Paula says it? How do you, how do you kind of think that works? Um, I think um, he he still says it. So I think he says then, we witness our paths as the sum of our steps. And he kind of holds out his hands to you. Uh, Lila puts her hands in his. Yeah. And then he says, at this crossing we meet so that both may leave wiser. And... I think at that point we kind of cut into his landscape. We're in kind of like landscapeception, right? Yeah, this might be, we might be too many layers deep, but, (laughs) but inside Paolo's landscape now, this is kind of the first time we're seeing this. Things start off, I think, kind of hazy. So it's like you woke up from sleeping, kind of like how it was at the beginning of that first time that you've experienced indexing. Mm -hmm. And your eyes kind of, blink and adjust and then we see a simple almost colorless room almost the opposite of your landscape Leela the walls have no windows on them and they're all painted white framed by medium brown almost marbled wood running along the tops and the floor the center of the room is completely empty save for a large woven mat on the floor. And the only movement that you see is a slowly turning ceiling fan, which with every rotation lets out a faintly audible click. Mm. How does Leela react on entering Paolo's landscape? Um, I think she just kind of takes a turn around the room and mm. uh, just looks up and says, I love what you've done with the place. Damn! He kind of laughs at that and says, this has everything I need. And he kind of walks over to a table at the side of the room. Okay. Um, I think Leela kind of can't help but to to follow and and see what he's doing. Yeah. So you see him kind of, I think the angle that the shot is at, it's like you can't see what he's doing with his hands exactly. But he's going like picking up and putting things down at the table and kind of weighing things in his hand. And then eventually he kind of like is nods himself and then walks over to you. And in his hands, he has two sets of sticks. And do you want to describe like what the sticks look like? This is again kind of the progenitors to the sticks that we saw back in the first arc when Leela fought with them. Yeah. So. I think the sticks that we saw in the first episode were kind of made of uh, a heavier, dense wood. Uh, You could just tell by looking at them that they were hefty. But in contrast, these are just lighter. 
So they're made of more like rattan, um, mm-hmm. but they're still the same kind of couple feet long uh, sticks. And it's a pair of them. Yeah. So he kind of holds out one to you. And what do you do? Or one pair. I think Leela just kind of looks at them and is just kind of a bit amused and just takes them and says, what do I do with these? Cast a spell? He kind of smiles again. This is like a big grin. And he says, just express yourself. So after leaving the library, Nasir, I think you have an opportunity to look at the at the piece of paper that Mateo slash Ramon slipped you. I was going to say, I'm probably make a beeline back to the ship so that yeah. can open it in my room. Yeah. So I think I think you do that and you're in the room and and you see that says we should meet. Um I will I think eat the paper. Like I don't know what way to just dispose of it so that it's like physically dispose. Just get rid of it, right? Like I, I, I will find a way to get rid of it that, that fundamentally I think, I think erases you burn it, it. There's plenty of things. If you don't want to yeah. eat it, there's plenty of things you could do to get rid of the paper. Yeah, I just don't want to... I was thinking... My first thought was burn it on the ship. But then I was like, but if you burn it on the ship, do you send out smoke detectors? This yeah, is I don't a spaceship. Know. You know, like... So I'm like, I'm just gonna... If it's... I'm, but then it might be Aventine product. So if I eat it, where am I... Am I gonna... Is my brain gonna... You know? So yeah. I'm just like, I'm gonna... Um, I'm gonna... I'm gonna just get rid of it. I dispose okay. of it. Okay. Securely in a way where no one can find it. Perfect. I'll, I'll uh, allow it. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and then I probably let's go about my day. I go like do a workout. And then when I come back to the room, I shower off and I go to the top shelf that I described when I walk into my room earlier. Mm. And on the top shelf, there are five physical hard copy books. Mm hmm. Two of them are just old earth texts in like red and brown leather. Um, one of them is like, a, it looks like almost like it's furry, uh, but it's like a crystal facade. Hmm. Uh, so it's like, like brightly growing hairs. One of them looks like it's made from pink wax. And the last one is a book with bright yellow pages and a mulberry cover. Uh, and so I pull that one off the shelf and I bring it over to my desk and I remove the glass sort of box case from the terrarium. So this terrarium takes up like half of my desk. It is covered. It's like black metallic. It's covered in knobs uh, and like little screens that tell me like different readings. Uh, The soil is a brown, but it's got like a, like a purple sheen to it. The plant itself that's in it is like a, like a very knotted uh, set of branches. It has like very like large sort of, uh, you know, big surface area leaves and it's got over a dozen flowers that have uh, blooms about the size of your palm. Mm -hmm. They are like a bright yellowish orange color. So bright that they, they almost glow. I, and I am picking up my shears and going over the flowers sort of one by one, very carefully and deliberately. And on some of the flowers at the center closest to sort of the stamens, the flowers are a darker color. They're like turning in almost red. Mm-hmm. And in those flowers where you sort of see that red center, 
I am clipping the flower and I am pressing them into the pages of the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so as I open the book on independence, uh, you see other flowers sort of dried of various ages and various levels of pressed uh, in the book. And so I'm pressing new flowers into the book. And at one point I sort of just freeze with my shears in my hand and I put them down and I quickly scramble into my things, into my shelf of doodads and tools. And I find what is like essentially like a small pot. Mm -hmm. And I come back to my desk and I take a flower and rather than just trimming the flower right at where it attaches to the branch, I go like trace it further into the plant. And from as like close to the root as I can, I take a clipping and I scoop some of the soil from my terrarium into this pot and I replant a clipping okay. from this, from this plant in there. After that, I will sort of surround it by put it in a bag of some sort and I will head to Ramon's apartment. Okay. And so I think, you know, you again, take the kind of people move around the station and come on this kind of understated building at the side of the central walkway and walk up to the second floor, um, which is where the apartment is. And, you know, I think that you got sent like an, an access code, like to get into the apartment, like something that would open the door. But it, I mean, mm-hmm. do you, do you use that or do you knock on the door again? Uh, I knock. Okay. So I think after again, another like 15 seconds, I think you hear some movement inside the door opens. And I, I think like the last time this happened, Ramon was being very cautious. And I don't know if this, this came through when I said it, but he was kind of like standing in the shadow of the door. So you had to walk in to see who it was. This time he's standing in the door and like looks at you. And I think like on his face, you just get a sense of concern, but he kind of gestures you into the apartment and shuts the door behind you. I got your note. I, uh, I come bearing a peace offering and I will pull the plant out of the bag and hand it to him. Okay. So I think he kind of pauses for a second, then reaches down and takes it and just sort of stares at it for a minute. And then he kind of shakes his head a little bit, like almost like it's all too much. And then walks over to like a desk at the sort of back left of the room and puts it down on the desk. You always did like them this way this year. They're only the way I like them for a moment but I think they look better this way than the other. I understand that you're here now, and I understand that I can't convince you to leave. But what happened on Satis, you can't possibly believe that that was helping peace. When he says that, I'll actually collapse onto a couch. Mm. I watched an officer of the fleet shoot a man that isn't peace he kind of lets out a sigh I think he's kind of like standing over you like when you slump down on the couch right but he goes and sits down in a chair and I think he's just sitting there silently for a few seconds but then he says this status quo this standoff that we're in Everyone's been waiting for the vote to change things. 
for things to be all better when their side wins. But this status quo, this ambiguity, it's the only thing that's keeping us from warning here. You said Kyrus won't let peace stand. Torres and the fleet are pushing us closer to war every day. I don't know how long the current situation can last. Kyrus just understands that Earth isn't going to give up the Verge if they lose the vote. He's right about that part. And for what it's worth, I'm not sure that he'd be willing to give things up if the vote goes the other way either. Kyrus thinks that this next war is going to be different somehow, that it's one that we could outright win, and sees the armistice as a chance to bide his time and prepare. Lieutenant Hines shot a man. I suspect there won't be any public retaliation. Do you suspect Kiros will do anything? He kind of sits up in the chair and says, I agree with you that something public is unlikely, but if there's a way that he could use this, he will. It felt good to hit him in the face. Who? Sorry. Uh, Lieutenant Hines. He kind of like shakes his head when you say that and stands up from the chair. Mateo, if we can stop the war, even if we can just delay it, we have to. What do you think I should do? Tell me what you want me to do. Yeah, I think again, there's kind of a a long pause. And he walks up to the windows. They're kind of at the side of the apartment. And then he turns back to you and says, I've thought from the beginning that you being here, that the Minerva Project is a mistake. And anything that pushes us toward a decision, toward picking a side, makes it harder to keep the peace. All this news about an Aventine spy ring, about conflict in the Verge, is only cementing that belief. In a week, or in a month, maybe there'll be something more concrete for you to do. For now, changing the conversation is, I think, a good start. Matteo, was it really an Aventine spy ring? Ooh. So, roll. I think at this point I want you to roll for something. Tell us. Yeah. Roll against Jamman. And I think it's manipulate. Ooh. Unless you have another move. I mean, is, is there one for ask a question for a man that you love and have had a relationship with and had a child with and lost a child together? And is there, is, I don't know, manipulate maybe? Manipulate. <laughs> yeah, like, manipulate. Or it could be of the people, though. Let me see of the people. Let me read it. When you make a person feel like they share a real connection with you, roll plus slick. Roll plus slick. Yeah. I think it's of the people. I you do gave him a gift. Yeah. You've earned okay. it. Okay, fuck. It's the same modifier, just the question is like, what do you get out of it, right? Go home boy. Yeah. Oh, no, oh home my god. Boy. <laughs> That's, That's a, a three. five, because oh. I have plus two. Okay. Oh man. Okay. Fuck. Mark that would have been great. I leveled <laughs> no, no, no. up. This is seriously. Good. You've leveled up. Okay. Yes. 
Go ahead and mark XP and then and say what advance you're going to take. I, let me think about that for a sec. And then you oh tell me God. what we're doing. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what we're going to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the I'm sorry. You got to cut this right out. But this is the best thing ever. I really don't he like this. He truly delights in our failures. The man is no, no, beside is so himself good. with joy. Beside <laughs> himself with joy at our absolute cataclysms. It's. I'm gonna take trip mine. <laughs> oh, no, wait, I'm gonna give explosives. <laughs> he 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 doesn't look this happy when he looks at me half the time. No no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel bad now. I got caught. I up. don't succeed, but I do level up, and so I am going to take a new move and i am going to take well connected oh you're not taking trip mine i no, think he was trolling i don't, I don't think i was i was lashing out <laughs> <laughs> okay so well connected when you work your connections at a location to gather information or acquire supplies roll plus slick on a 10 plus, you find someone who can get you what you need. Choose one. On a 7 to 9, it's not so easy. Choose one, and the game master will tell you one. And the three consequences are it's not quite what you need, you have a complicated relationship with your contact, or there's strings attached. Okay, I like that. I'm going to come back to what happens this year, but I want to cut tomorrow really quick. So before we end, Mara, I know that you had told me before we started today that you wanted to do one more scene, and I want to check back in on you now and ask, what is Mara doing? So she is back in her room, and she has the beacon out. Uh, so what I want to do is use my move study bug. Um, so I think I have plenty of time and relative safety to ask you a question. That you have to answer. Okay. And this is a question about the device. Yes. Right? All right. What is your question? So I think the biggest concern she has is the anonymity of it all. And that she has no idea how to tell who's pulling the strings, who's really in charge, who's potentially involved in the luster disappearance is that the same people who are setting these devices up is it the same people with the ghost ship is that the same people who laid all these plans out at the the house of intrigue so i think what she wants to know is as much as possible who's connected to this device who's planted it who's monitor yeah. or was monitoring it and what whatever she can find out about that so i think that the shot is we see that like mulberry covered book from the library and it's sitting on your bed and kind of partially closed around a slate which in this case has been reduced to a bookmark mm -hmm. but the focus shifts and we see you sitting at your desk on the surface of the desk we see the device that you found in the mine on status but it seems to have been fully disassembled and there are several circuit boards removed from the casing. These parts, which you looked at, are completely devoid of markings or anything that would indicate their origin. But at your desk, we see a screen rapidly flashing between images of circuit designs. 
And essentially what you've decided to do, Mara, is to find the patterns in the circuitry of this device to kind of find the human expression and see where else it appears. Yes. And so as those images are kind of flashing one after the other, I want to go back to you, Nasir. And so you had asked, was this an Aventine spy ring, right? (laughs) And Mateo kind of takes a step closer to you and says, I don't... I don't know, Nasir. I don't know. I just... I feel like things are getting out of control. But when he says that, he kind of instinctually goes and touches your face. But then he, like, realizes what he did and, like, pulls his hand away. But then he looks at you and into your eyes. What do you do? So I stand up and I move closer to him and I reach out and I pull him in close and I hold him tight and lean in and just at barely a whisper I'm here whenever you need me yeah so as you embrace the camera kind of is showing this and looks past you and slowly zooms in on a small desk lamp in the background in the apartment and we're not sure why it's doing that Uh. but back on the screen in your room Mara Uh. the circuit flashing stops and you see text that says probable match 83% and below that There are three lines of text that say Nemirov Design Bureau, Capital District, Aventine AB2. 